You have a Bible? If you don't, we got them on the screen for you, but got one on your phone or somewhere, grab it, turn it to the Gospel of Luke. Luke the physician. We're gonna talk about a birthing, so it's good to have a physician's point of view, you know? So Luke, Luke's Gospel, and we're going to go to chapter number two, chapter number two of Luke's gospel. Father, we thank you for the unspeakable gift of your son, born in a barn, because that's where a lamb should be born. While angels sang happy birthday, shepherds showed up to see if it was true. We thank you for the gift of your son, we thank you not only for his incarnation, but for his death, his burial, his resurrection from the dead and his ascension back to the hallowed halls of heaven there to make intercession for every single one of us. We thank you. We glorify you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, Merry Christmas! Luke chapter 2. We'll begin at verse number one. And it came to pass. Now you will have to pray for me this morning because this is one of the most potent passages of Scripture you will ever find in the 1,266 pages of your Bible. It is rich. Have you seen the commercial? I know you never watch television. If you're smart, you do like I do. You just record everything. You can fast forward through the commercials. But every now and then I catch a commercial, and there's a commercial where there's these folks above ground in their house, and they're just fretting over, you know, all their bills and the economy. And then it cuts to a mine underneath the home, and they're saying, do you think they know they're sitting on a gold mine? meaning the equity in their home. That's what they're talking about. But we're going to do some digging this morning. Is, is it okay to dig during a Christmas message? You think so? It's okay to dig. So we're going to dig into Luke chapter 2. And I could preach verifiably every single word. Dr. Oral Roberts told my family one time, all he needs is a thought and one verse and turn him loose. And, and, and I, get, I get such a deposit from God every time. You know that's a living book you're holding on your lap there. Yeah, that's not, you know, Newsweek magazine. Thank God for that. I said, thank God for that. I don't even know what magazines there are anymore. When I'm saying that, I usually say, look magazine. I don't even think it's in print anymore. But that's not a normal publication. That is the bestseller of all time. It is the oak of God planted in the forest of eternity, entwining its roots around the rock of ages. And if you don't in this life, you will in the next cry out for its strength, its power, its revelation, its protection, its provision. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, amen? 
For in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh. And we beheld His glory as of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and full of truth. Do you love Jesus today? And it came to pass. I've got about a 17-week series out of those words. We'll bypass it. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be taxed. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, she being great with child. Now, when Miss Joni was getting ready to give birth to Ashton Blair and Austin Chandler, I used to introduce her. This is my wife who is great with child. And she wasn't half bad before that. So she was great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished. Somebody say, you're going to make it to the finish line. The days were accomplished that she should be delivered. What if this was the day of your deliverance? What if an angel began to stand here in front of you and herald out to you, today is the day of your deliverance. Today is the day of your breakthrough. You're about to break out, break in, break over, break loose, break free, break in, break through. This is the day of her deliverance. She brought forth her firstborn son, now pay very, very, very close attention because we're going to unwrap some things today. We're going to unwrap some things. You ready? And she brought forth her firstborn son. And what did she do? She wrapped him in swaddling clothes. May I submit to you today that he is the God of the eternal present tense. May I tell you that if he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and the book says he was and the book is right and they are wrong, if he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, I've got an idea that he's still wrapped in swaddling clothes. You said, yes, but he lived 30 years and then he was called into ministry, yes. And then he preached the gospel of the kingdom for three and a half years. You're correct. And then he hung on that angry, mean, biting beam called Calvary, suffered, bled, sighed, cried, died, shed blood by which the very veins of God were emptied. You're right. But then you say, but they put him in a borrowed tomb. You're right. But before they put him in that tomb, they wrapped him. in grave clothes. So he began all wrapped up. And he finished 
his earthly journey, his incarnation, God with us, Emmanuel, he ended that whole business at a tomb, all wrapped up. Show your neighbor and say, all wrapped up. He was all wrapped up. But on the third day, an angel appeared and said, Mary, go and tell. Wait a minute. It was that same angel that appeared to her and said, Hail Mary, thou art highly favored. Blessed are you among women. Blessed be the fruit of your womb. Now he's showing up back here on the other side. And he's saying, the angel is saying to Mary, go tell on the mountain. The Son of God, Joni's favorite verse in the New Testament, he is not here. He is risen as he said. I'd never like to talk about the beginning that I don't talk about the ending. I like to get us all the way across the finish line. And you remember that swaddling that he was wrapped in at his birth? He was wrapped in it again in that tomb. But your Bible said when he came out, he folded that thing up and he laid it down. And on the third day, he got up. There was a tradition in a Jewish home. If you were at a meal and you needed to excuse yourself for some reason, you would take your napkin, your wrapping, your swaddling, and you would simply lay it on the table open. But if you were leaving, you would fold that napkin and lay it beside your plate. Therefore, the host would know this meal's over. This session has come to a conclusion. I'm about to move on to something else now. And can I tell you, he wrapped that napkin. He folded that napkin he was wrapped in and he put it beside that tomb and he said, this is finished and I'll be back. Okay, so she brought forth her firstborn son and she did what? Come on, give it to me. She did what? She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and that little three-letter conjunction means there's more coming and she laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in that same country shepherds, wise men, wise men, no shepherds. An angel talked to shepherds working the third shift. We talking blue collar shepherds. They're working the hoodow shift. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about because you had never had to work it. 
from midnight to eight in the morning where nobody else wants to work. These shepherds, these shepherds were on duty and on call. Not the wise men. I, I just have to slip this in parenthetically. The wise men were late. And not even, what do they call that, you know, fancy people that always show up late. They call it what? Fashionably late. How, why did you know that, Pastor Chris? They're all pointing at each other. They're pointing at you, Shaden. They weren't fashionably late, honey. They was late, late. Your little nativity scene, you gotta you got think again about that thing. Because I got baby Jesus there, and then we got the wise men there that didn't show up for three years. They were shepherds abiding in the field. Watch, 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 watch. Keeping watch over their sheep. There was a reason. Those were temple sheep. Those were sheep that were watched over 24-7 because at the end of their first year, they had to be without spot and without blemish. Can I tell you that the good shepherd, we're moving into 2023. And I can tell you where we're gonna start off. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for thou art with us. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort us. Thou preparest a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Thou anointest our head with oil. Our cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Somebody say, I'm thankful for the shepherd. They were watching over their flock by night because it's night when the adversary comes. It's in the darkness that the demon powers make their entryway. It's in the dark that men stumble and know not what they stumble over. And lo, the angel of the Lord, <laughs> he was not some fat-bellied little cherub, and he was not female. Boy, we need to read the Bible. Came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they danced the two-step. No, they were sore afraid. 
when a 10-foot angel show up in your bedroom and sit on the corner of your bed? They were sore afraid. And the angel said something. You realize the wise men had no voice. The only voice they had was that of Herod. But they did have a light. So the angel said to these shepherds, Fear not. Behold, I bring you good tidings. I wish some preachers would learn that. Great tidings which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Which is Christ the Lord. Here we go now. Pay attention. And this shall be a sign to you. To who? The shepherds. This shall be a sign to you. Now this is the second time of three times that the physician Luke in his gospel in just about six short verses draws our attention to swaddling clothes and a manger. I've discovered something about the Word of God. There's the law first mentioned. What's mentioned first happens first, often in reverse order. Second, I've noticed the law of repetition. This is the only thing the angel chooses to say three times. Three times. And this time, he connects it to a sign. He says to these shepherds, look, for unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this is how you can find him. You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. Why don't you? Praising God. Why don't you? Praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. St. Jerome, St. Jerome, who lived in the fourth century, he lived in Bethlehem, the place of bread. St. Jerome who was responsible for translating what became commonly known as the Latin Vulgate Bible, from which every single Bible you've seen in your life was derived from. He was personally responsible to translate the scriptures out of the original Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic into what became known as the Latin Vulgate Bible. He said this, blessed are they who possess Bethlehem in their hearts and in whose hearts Christ is born daily. Now my message to you today can be characterized by a very popular English idiom. It first appeared in Arthur George's Arthur George Eliot's novel, The Mill on the Floss, that was in 1860. The phrase then became popularized in 1946 when it appeared in a murder mystery, Murder in the Glass Room. The words are these. 
you can never tell a book by its cover or more popularly you can never tell a book by its cover because it's all wrapped up the thought communicated is that you cannot know what's on the inside by simply observing what is on the outside. Samuel made that same mistake. The prophet of the Old Testament, when God sent him to Jesse's house in Bethlehem to anoint a new king of Israel. You know the story. Jesse lined all those sons up and Samuel thought each one of them was the king until he was almost out of sons. And Samuel said, is there not another son? And Jesse said, well, there's a little boy out there with peach fuzz on his face, more knees and elbows than anything. And watch me, watch me. He smells like sheep. He's the family shepherd. Samuel said, bring him to me. And here he came stumbling over his own feet too big for his shoes because everything he wore was a hand-me-down. No, you missed me. Everything he wore was a hand-me-down. Mm-hmm. And Samuel said, he's the one. But the question is, why? Why did they choose David over all the others? Well, I think it was not because he looked like a king. I think it was because he looked like the current king. Because didn't look like the current king because the current king of Israel was Saul. The Bible calls him God's choicest find in the nation of Israel. Your Bible said that Saul, unlike David, stood head and shoulders above every other man in the kingdom, towering over everybody else. Yet, it was this scrawny, scrappy shepherd boy that God had Samuel anoint because Saul was the people's king, but David was God's king. His wrapping paper may not have been as nice. He may not have worn the armor of a king. He may have not been adorned in the trappings and the glorious garments of a king. He was all wrapped up, you see. 1 Samuel 16, 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, look not on the countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused Saul, for the Lord sees not as a man sees. Looks not as a man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks deeper on the heart. At Christmas time, you know, we have this tradition. We, we wrap up gifts. We 
we wrap them up, you see. We wrap them up in beautiful paper. Isn't that beautiful? Now there's a reason we do that. We do that to torment our children, which is a parent's duty. They know there's something in there all wrapped up. <laughs> and we want to conceal the surprise. In fact, this year, are you ready? This year, when I gave this to the media team, I was a few years behind. I gave them the number $2.6 billion on wrapping paper. It's actually now well on the other side of $3 billion. We're serious about hiding stuff. The whole thing began in the 1600s in Japan. They would wrap gifts in beautiful material when they would give them. And then in 1919, there was a problem at a little tiny store. They ran out of cloth wrapping. One of the two brothers, Joyce, or Raleigh Hall decided, well, let's wrap them in paper. So they did. It became a little business for them. For those two brothers whose last name was Hall. Do you know what their store became? Hallmark. An entire industry was born out of our need to hide things. Now today, I want us to unwrap, and I'll go quickly, I want us to unwrap a little bit of Luke chapter two. I want us to find what treasures await us just under the surface. Because you can't just read the Bible, dear friend. You have to read the Bible. Luke 2, 11 and 12. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Verse 12. This shall be a sign to you. It wasn't the star. It wasn't the cattle lowing. There weren't none. This shall be assigned to you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. As I said, manger is mentioned three times in verse seven, in verse 12, in verse 16. Now the first gift I wanna unwrap is the manger. Because of Hollywood, I, I heard Harvest Music Live doing a little game, you know, what's your favorite Christmas movie, you know. Somebody asked me that 
My favorite Christmas movie of all time is the great Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life. But there are many to choose from. But because of Hollywood, because of artistic renderings that we've all been a part of throughout our entire lives, the manger did not look like this. Nothing was made of wood. This is in Israel. And there, sure enough, didn't need to be straw. For what? Sheep don't eat straw. Sheep graze. They eat the living stuff. I'm sure that your traditions, just like mine, through the years, have included a manger like that one. Now, let's just be honest. I'll have to raise my hands about 10 times because every Christian network on God's green earth sends me a manger scene for Christmas. They are stacked up everywhere. How many of you have a manger scene at your house? That's what I thought. The truth is, Shepherds would have had stone troughs. Mm. Sheep herders, they, they didn't have wood inside their barns. They used stone. Which those, some, there it is. Now does that look like the cradle in your nativity scene? They were made Jerusalem limestone. You see it on the front of this altar. Can you get a shot of it? That came all the way from Jerusalem. And even when we remodeled the platform three times since those were put in, I said, we're not touching those. Because every time I see them, I go back. I see that shimmering diamond on a velvet couch coming around from Jericho and you can see it sitting up there on a hill glistening like a diamond on that velvet couch as the setting sun hits that Jerusalem stone because everything in the city of Jerusalem is required to be constructed not of wood but of stone. White limestone. They also use those for cradles, for a very specific service, the, the temple lambs for sacrifice. I'll tell you why later. Their barns, unlike our pictures, were not made of wood. Some of them look like palaces, the way they build these things. And, but they were, not, they were not constructed of wood of any kind. They were rather carved in the sides of the hills where the sheep grazed all year long and then went inside the carved or the natural cave in the limestone. There was more limestone available in Israel then and now, then there are trees. Now, let me unpack this just for a minute. Joseph, Jesus' stepfather, right? I said Jesus' stepfather, right? Because Jesus was conceived of the Holy Ghost, not of Joseph. 
on that you can be sure. His stepfather was not a house framer. Now I came from an entire generation of house builders, carpenters, rough carpenters, the outside finished carpenters, the inside. I was in a tool belt by the time I was five years old with a hammer hanging on the side and nails in the pockets. And when we think of Jesus and his stepfather Joseph being carpenters, that's the image that comes into our minds. Couldn't be further from the truth. They were not wood carpenters. They were, Jim, stone masons. They worked in stone. In fact, the manger that is talked about in Luke chapter two was no doubt fashioned by Jesus' stepfather himself. He made it himself. So let's unwrap this first. The first gift we're gonna unwrap is stone. Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore says the Lord, behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And then he follows it up in the new covenant in 1 Peter 2, 5. You also as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house as a holy priesthood unto God. Somebody shall thank God for stone. Somebody shall thank God for the rock that will not roll. But you have to understand, I'm not just talking about him, I'm talking about what we unwrapped in him gets wrapped up in us. Let's unwrap gifts number two and three. You're gonna love this one. You understand that what had happened there was a birth. Anyone ever attended one? They don't look like that first picture. Give me that, give me that first manger picture. They don't look like, did your baby look like that coming out? Now I'm, I'm gonna take a little liberty here. I don't mean to offend anyone. My wife and I, went through 36 hours of labor with Ashton Blair. I walked those hallways till I could barely waddle. Finally, I told her, I said, honey, about every four steps, she'd go, ah! I'd jump back. I said, baby, you're gonna have to get your mama to come walk with you. My knees hurt. And she just looked up at me just like this. <laughs> Finally, she's in the bed, still going through the same thing. At one point, she grabbed me and pulled me down. She said, you did this to me? Get out of this room! After 36 hours, here came beautiful Ashton Blair. She looked like an IT, ET, extraterrestrial. She's like, she's like, look, you know, some babies come out with a cone head, right? You know, no, hers was on the side. She had a cyclops. Like that. One of her eyes was swollen, completely shut. 
And I asked the doctor, I said, is she going to stay like that? That's an honest God truth. And Joni slapped me and said, she's beautiful. I said, yeah, you still delusional too, right? <laughs> she turned out all right though, didn't she? She's a beauty. <laughs> she was just all wrapped up. And when she came forth, she didn't look like that. There was stuff. There was white stuff mixed with blood. Ooh. I'm like, hi. I don't know about this. But thank God for the blood. Thank God for water. I had the privilege of cutting that umbilical cord. Just like Joseph probably cut the one of the baby Jesus. He separated that baby from its source of life. You on your own now. Jesus leaped out of eternity and into an earthly manger. He had to be separated, laid down all his godly vestiture, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, his omniscience, laid it all down and was born a man covered in the blood of a woman, covered in the afterbirth, separated from heaven into this carnal, disgusting world. All that had to be washed away. I'm not just talking about him. I'm talking about you. John 19, 34 says a Roman centurion withdrew his sword while he hung on that angry, mean, biting beam and thrust it into his side. And your Bible said, forthwith came blood and water. The Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth cleansed for our cleansing. He alone could wash us. He alone could make us holy. I wish somebody in this sanctified church would shout, holiness unto the Lord now and forever. Through him we are washed. Through him we are clean. As clean as Adam and Eve, our pristine parents were in the garden of Eden before they sinned. This is positional sanctification. You leave this nasty world and enter into the heavenly realm, sanctified, separated. When you get born again, you become completely other. Then Ephesians 5.26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse us with the washing of the water of the Word of God. That's experiential sanctification. It goes on every day, which leads to ultimate sanctification, that ultimate separation. Where the old song came from, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, 
I'm going to fly away. I'm going to be separated from this world to be at home with a living Christ in the eternal glory and splendor of a place called heaven. I can hardly wait to unwrap gift number four. It was salt. They took powdered salt and they would rub it on that infant. Do you know why? Because he, were, he had a wound and that wound would become infected if there was not a disinfectant to protect it from infection and from disease. Jesus broke the curse of every sin, every sickness, every victory over every infectious wound and putrefying sore on the soul of humanity every sin sickness and satan every demon depravity and disease and then jesus looks at you this morning and unwraps this for you you are salt number five number five they bathe that baby in oil I don't have time to talk about the anointing. Mary called him Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one and his anointing with yoke destroying, burden removing anointing. Here the full grown babe of Bethlehem's manger in Luke chapter four, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed and to preach the year of Jubilee. Oh, let me unwrap it further. Paul echoes 2 Corinthians 1, 21. God himself has established us in Christ and has therefore anointed us. Number six, and I'm closing. Psalm 119, verse 30 said the entrance, we got to unwrap this one now. We gotta unwrap it. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta unwrap this one. We gotta, we gotta, oh, we gotta break its seals. But we gotta tear off the cover. We gotta, we gotta get inside because the entrance of his word gives light. It causes my faith to grow strong. A star led the wise men for three years to find Jesus. Wise men share wisdom. Wisdom gives revelation. Revelations means to shed light on things. Jesus said in 8.1, John 8.1, I am the light of the world. And then he turns around in Matthew 5 and says, you are the light of the world. Are you seeing any connection? One more gift. Just one all the way back to the beginning. Swaddling clothes. What in the world is swaddling clothes? This shall be a sign to you. You wanna find Jesus? You gotta find swaddling clothes. Lying in a manger. Swaddling is a wrapping. I'm good, get my Bible. Swaddling's a wrapping. 
woman swallowed that baby. Hmm? They take a baby or a sheep to be sacrificed in the temple. And they would lay out a cloth diagonally. Watch this, Joni. I'm going to show you. Although I was untruthful with you all those years, I actually know how to swaddle. <laughs> now, they didn't have pins. Some of you don't even remember pins. You got those little... <laughs> well, anybody can do that. Yeah. They take that baby and they lay that baby diagonally. And they take the corners and they'd fold the corners over. And then they'd take the bottom and they'd fold it up. And then depending on the weather and the surroundings, they would cover the baby's face. Then they would take swaddling strips and they would wrap them strips of cloth, bands tightly around the baby to help it transition from the womb to the outside world. Now, swaddling claws were very, very common. Every, every baby in that time period that had any kind of caring parents would have been swaddled. To swaddle your baby means you care for it. Jesus was swaddled so that he could identify with every one of us. He was not deity humanized or humanity deified. We, they used to have a popular song. What if God were one of us? Just a stranger on a bus. What if God were one of us? Spoiler alert! He is one of us. That child was well, well cared for. Ezekiel 16.4, talking about the nation of Israel in its backslidden condition, said Israel could not be swaddled in its birth. And as for thy nativity, in the days you were born, your navel was not cut. Neither were you, meaning they were not separated, neither were you washed in water to supple you, nor were you salted at all, nor were you swaddled. Jesus changed all that. It was an abasement because it was in common with poor children, common children, as if the living Christ could be bound. Job said in 38 verse 9, Jesus, who makes darkness a swaddling band for the sea itself, was himself wrapped in swaddling bands. The everlasting Father of all time became a child of time. The Ancient of Days became an infant. Luke chapter 2, the wise men were led by light. But here the angels are talking to shepherds. 
because shepherds understood how and where a lamb should be born. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. You see, shepherds would provide their wool to be processed. And then the processor would give it to a garment maker. The garment maker, follow me carefully, the garment maker would then take the material made from that wool and they would lay it out much like my mother did. And they would put the material down and they would begin to cut the pattern. Say the pattern. They would cut away parts of the material blah, 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 that didn't fit the pattern. Those were swaddles. The shepherds were then given the discarded strips to use to wrap the temple lambs at birth so that they did not hurt themselves. And they would lay them in one of those water troughs to protect them. The word swaddling has a few synonyms. They have great meaning. They were the debris. They were the remnants. <laughs> they were the remains. Do you ever feel like everybody left this thing but you and here you are with your head still lifted up, your hands still lifted up, your heart still lifted. Though none go with me, still I will follow. I am a remnant. I'm that which remains. I am a relic. Ashton told me not long ago, I said, do you think I'm old? She said, well, you're old fashioned. And I just started shouting on the inside. I'm a relic. I'm a leftover. I'm that which remains. I've not bowed my knee to the modern culture. I'm still preaching the cross, the blood, the resurrection, the second coming, the power of the Holy Ghost. Another word for swaddle is survivor. Ah. I need to hear some survivors just shout one time. Shove your neighbor and say, you ought to be shouting, you're here today, you made it. Look what you've been through. Look what you fought through. Look what you've been denied. Look how many times you've been sent to the back of the line, but you're still here and the devil never got your shot. The last word that also translates swaddling is very special to me. It means legacy. What's left behind. I'm gonna spend the rest of my days producing those that don't fit the pattern. I wanna run. I don't want you singing. Just a bunch of bubblegum, wee-wah, hip-hop, bee-bop, nothing. 
I want to hear on Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Why? Because he's a rock that will not roll. You didn't hear nothing I said today. In Haggai, God instructs the remnant that are left of Israel to rebuild the temple and he tells them, use the residue, use the swaddling to rebuild it. Now, one of the things the angel told Mary, and this is it. He will rule over the house of Jacob forever. Look at somebody next to you and say, hello, Jacob. You old deceiver. Go ahead. You never taught your children to lie, but they did. And you are the children of your parents. And you did the same. Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob was a supplanter. What we call that now is climbing the corporate ladder. Or should I say ministry ladder? He... By telling us he would rule over the house of Jacob, he was telling us he would rule over us, the nobodies, the deceivers, the supplanters, the sinners in need of a savior, the offscouring the left behind, the remnants, the throwaways. Look around, honey. We all living on God's island of misfit toys. You know, just be honest. We're all pretty messed up. And the moment you think you're not, you're the most messed up. The moment you think you got it all figured out and you got your Christianity on just right, you might have your Christianity right, but you don't fit this mold. You don't fit this pattern. Because this pattern is flawed. This pattern doesn't work. This pattern of religion he called us living stones, not identical bricks. You know what he did when he caused you to become born again, when he caused you to believe in him? You know what he can do for you today? He broke the mold, baby. There ain't no pattern. You don't have to be like anybody else. You don't have to talk like anybody else. You don't have to be anybody else. You don't have to pretend that you're something you're not. Shout, I don't fit the pattern. I'm all wrapped up in swaddling clothes. People have said to me my whole life, when I was in Bible college and told them I was gonna start a church, they laughed at me, literally to my face, laughed at me. 
said nobody can drive the kind of car you drive and wear the kind of clothes you wear and try to pastor. You're going to embarrass all of us. Now my ministry is about 150 times larger than theirs. Because I, 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 I didn't fit the mold. I didn't fit. I didn't fit. They looked on the outside. They didn't know what was on the inside. Look at your neighbor and say, don't look at me outside. No, don't look at what I'm wearing. Don't look at how I look. Don't look at who you perceive me to be. Because there's something on the inside you can't see. I'm all wrapped up. I wish I had anybody to shout. Our assignment isn't to the up and out, it's to the down and out. It's to the dis downtrodden and the disheartened and the discouraged. And we're the leftovers, we're the remnant. We're what didn't fit the pattern and had to be thrown away. But thank God, we're now wrapped up in swaddling. Look at somebody and say, I'm a rock. Look at somebody else and tell them I've been in the blood and I've been washed by the water. Come on, tell somebody, tell somebody I've been well salted. I've had some stings in my life. I've had some disinfectant sprayed on me and it wasn't comfortable but here I am baby I'm still here add some oil and I'm anointed look at your neighbor and say are you sick cause I got what you need don't look at me I don't look like pastor I don't look like an evangelist but I can tell you right now I got enough anointing to take off you what the devil put on. I need somebody that's a swaddle to get to shouting. Look at somebody. Say you got the darkness of divorce around you. I got the light. You're tormented by the darkness of demon power. Look who just showed up. The light of the world. Now don't look to heaven, look at me. Don't look at the outside because I'm all wrapped up in swaddle. But there's an anointing in here about to break loose. So the question today is, everybody's standing. So the question today is, for that hurting, wandering world, that broken and bruised and battered world out there and in here and yeah. right there. Yeah. Where can Jesus be found? Oh, no, 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 I don't mean that. Remember that show? There's, I forget what it's called. They'd have like three people or four and they'd say, I am Billy Bob. I am Billy Bob. I am Billy Bob. I'm Billy Bob. And to tell the truth, 
And then at the end, they say, will the real Billy Bob please stand up? So that world out there with hunger in its eyes and a hole in its heart is looking around this Christmas season. They're trying to find Jesus. So where can they find him? I think they can find him in the same place he's always been. All wrapped up. What's he all wrapped up in? Well, your Bible says you are the body of Christ. We're the swaddling. We're the wrapping. And when that world finds us, they ought to be able to shout, I just found Jesus. I just found Jesus. The same Jesus that came to the earth on that first Christmas morning is going to show up at your family's Christmas dinner, is going to show up at the Christmas office party. They're going to be hurting and bruised and battered and, and, and frightened, afraid, wondering and wandering. They're looking for something. And I'm going to ask God to unwrap you from this day forward. Father, thank you for the gift of your son wrapped up in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Put that anointing on us, oh God, every single one of us, that during the rest of this entire season and the rest of our lives, we will be that body of Christ all wrapped up and ready for you to gift us to a hurting world. In Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, no easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.